cousin. Or Lady Bexborough, who opened a bazaar, they said, with a telegram in her hand, John, her favourite, killed. But it was over. Thank heaven. Over. It was June. The king and queen were at the palace. And everywhere, though it was still so early, there was a beating, a stirring of galloping ponies, tapping of cricket bats. Lords, Ascot, Ranelagh, and all the rest of it, wrapped in the soft mesh of the grey-blue morning air, which, as the day wore on, would unwind them and set down on their lawns and pitches the bouncing ponies, whose forefeet just struck the ground and up they sprung, the whirling young men and laughing girls in their transparent muslins, who even now, after dancing all night, were taking their absurd woolly dogs for a run. And even now, at this hour, discreet old dowagers were shooting out in their motor-cars on errands of mystery. And the shopkeepers were fidgeting in their windows with their paste and diamonds, their lovely old sea-green brooches in eighteenth-century settings to tempt Americans. But one must economise, not buy things rashly for Elizabeth. And she, too, loving it as she did, with an absurd and faithful passion, being part of it, since her people were courtiers once in the time of the Georges, she, too, was going that very night to kindle and illuminate, to give her party. But how strange, on entering the park, the silence, the mist, the hum, the slow-swimming happy ducks, the pouched birds waddling, and who should be coming along with his back against the government buildings, most appropriately carrying a dispatch-box stamped with the royal arms, who but Hugh Whitbread, her old friend Hugh, the admirable Hugh. "'Good morning to you, Clarissa,' said Hugh rather extravagantly, for they had known each other as children. "'Where are you off to?' "'I love walking in London,' said Mrs. Dalloway. "'Really, it's better than walking in the country.' They had just come up, unfortunately, to see doctors. Other people came to see pictures, go to the opera, take their daughters out. The Whitbreads came to see doctors. Times without number, Clarissa had visited Evelyn Whitbread in a nursing home. Was Evelyn ill again? Evelyn was a good deal out of sorts, said Hugh, intimating by a kind of pout or swell of his very well-covered, manly, extremely handsome, perfectly upholstered body. He was almost too well-dressed always, but presumably had to be with his little job at court, that his wife had some internal ailment, nothing serious, which as an old friend Clarissa Dalloway would quite understand without requiring him to specify. Ah, yes, she did, of course. What a nuisance! and felt very sisterly and oddly conscious at the same time of her hat. Not the right hat for the early morning, was that it? For Hugh always made her feel, as he bustled on, raising his hat rather extravagantly, and assuring her that she might be a girl of eighteen, and of course he was coming to her party tonight, Evelyn absolutely insisted, only a little late he might be after the party at the palace to which he had to take one of Jim's boys— She always felt a little skimpy beside Hugh, schoolgirlish, but attached to him, partly from having known him always. But she did think him a good sort in his own way, though Richard was nearly driven mad by him, and as for Peter Walsh, he had never to this day forgiven her for liking him. She could remember scene after scene at Borton. Peter furious, 
Hugh not, of course, his match in any way, but still not a positive imbecile, as Peter made out, not a mere barber's block. When his old mother wanted him to give up shooting or to take her to Bath, he did it without a word. He was really unselfish, and as for saying, as Peter did, that he had no heart, no brain, nothing but the manners and breeding of an English gentleman, that was only her dear Peter at his worst. And he could be intolerable, he could be impossible, but adorable to walk with on a morning like this. June had drawn out every leaf on the trees. The mothers of Pimlico gave suck to their young. Messages were passing from the fleet to the Admiralty. Arlington Street and Piccadilly seemed to chafe the very air in the park and lift its leaves hotly, brilliantly, on waves of that divine vitality which Clarissa loved. To dance, to ride, she had adored all that.